Some people are addicted to drugs. Some people are addicted to sugar. Some people are addicted to alcohol. And some people are addicted to unavailable men. What's your poison? Does it have a nine-inch penis and a whole other relationship? Hey, sweet baby, welcome to Love Life Skills for Leaders, where we heal the past, love ourselves unconditionally, and start our love lives over from a clean slate every damn day. I'm Candace Harper, Love Coach, and my mission is to help professional women of color and culture magnetize healthy partners and create a love life that loves us back. We all deserve joyful relationships. I have one, and I want you to have yours too. This is a mature conversation for powerful people who want to have their best love life possible, whether single or coupled. I'm going to share with you the practical steps for getting aligned with your core values and becoming an energetic space for all that you desire. Share this show with your friends and write a review. Don't keep it a secret. We all need good love. Also, make sure to subscribe wherever you are watching or listening. Now, let's get started. Hello, 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 my sweet loves. The sun is shining where I am. The sun is shining where I, where I am, and I hope that it's shining where you are too. And if it's not shining, I hope it's shining from the inside. I hope that you are finding and discovering your happiness. I hope that you are loving yourself wherever this finds you and giving yourself lots of grace. And so today, I want to talk about addiction, being addicted to unavailable men. What is that all about? I had a momentary period of being addicted to unavailable men. I have friends who've been addicted to unavailable men. I've had many, many a client who's been addicted to unavailable men, and I helped to break that addiction. I love helping to break that addiction. And there's, you know, it takes something. It takes a little bit of doing. You think about anything that you might be hooked on. And you know what? Let's be real. We're all hooked on something, whether we're willing to admit it or not. Some people are hoarders. Some people drink too much and drug too much. Some people gamble. And those are sort of obvious addictions. But some people just get angry a lot. Some people are addicted to being sad. Some people are addicted to behaviors that gain them attention. Some people are addicted to being narcissistic, addicted to uh, acting out in a certain way and whatever that that gains for them. And yes, it's multi-layered and we could go back into like why that would be the case. And it sounds like, oh no, you know, what do you even mean, Candace? Who would be addicted to being angry? We do things when there is a payoff. And with addiction, it's usually an immediate payoff, right? So if we have a power issue, we might be addicted to anger because when I get angry and I express myself or when I yell at people or if I frown or if I, you know, whether I'm very uh, dramatic with it or not, I get a certain reaction out of people and I'm addicted to that little bit of power because in my mind, I believe that that is somehow helping me or making me feel stronger or making me feel valid. There's a lot of different possibilities for why we do what we do and why we get addicted to what we get addicted to. And so I say all of this to say, I don't want anybody to feel ashamed by this conversation. I don't want anybody to feel like it's a wrong making conversation because one thing that we do 
especially if we're addicted to perfectionism, addicted to being right, is that we cut ourselves off from the possibility of healing or transforming because we're so busy trying to look good and trying to be right and trying to get an A and trying to be the good student and trying to trying to be the best in the class, trying to shine, trying to impress other people, make sure other people know that we're doing what we're supposed to do. That is an addiction within itself. And what we do when we do that is we stand in the way of our own healing. It's okay to admit that you're not perfect. It's okay to be someone who can say, look, you know, I do this thing or I am this thing or I see myself as this thing. And it doesn't mean that it's terminal. It doesn't mean that it's forever. I don't know if you were with me last week, but I read an excerpt from my upcoming compilation book, which I'm going to talk about later called It's Homeostasis. And I read an excerpt about mistakes that I've made, things that I've been in the past or done in the past that I own, Because once we own them and they stop being dark secrets and we stop trying to pretend like we got it all figured out, we get to actually heal and have some things process and transform within our lives. And that's the way to do it. Sometimes people are very uh, resistant to the admission that something I'm doing may not work. A way I'm being may not work and it may be coming from me. It's always coming from us. Let me tell you, let me let you in a little secret. If you haven't been listening to me and you don't know this, if you're not having a good experience of something, consistently having a bad experience with something, particularly your love life, it's a you problem. It is, there's no way around it. <laughs> And that's not to say that you haven't been with horrible people if you've been with horrible people. That's not to say that there are people in your life who need to take responsibility for things that they have done. But if you find yourself consistently with telling the same story about your love life, it is a you problem. And I don't mean that to say, to be mean or to be um, disparaging to anyone, but as a coach, it is my job to help people get out of their own way, to help people with their self-limiting beliefs, to help people with their self-sabotage. And if I am walking around experiencing the same thing over and over and over and over again, and I insist that it's somewhere outside of me, then I'm just going to stay having the same experience over and over and over again. And so it is my job to help people change their experience, to actually have what they want. And so I like to make that really crystal clear. And one thing I'm learning as I grow as a coach, that there's no reason to ever pretend like it's anything other than that. Right? I recently had a client who uh, ended coaching with me after two years, not because she's not getting anywhere, because in some ways she was getting places. She was growing but ended because I was too honest with her. Like I was too straightforward with her. And I have to own the fact that I hadn't been authentic with her all along because I'd been handling her with kid gloves. I, you know, I felt like, well, let me just, you know, placate this person's, uh, the speed that at which they need to go. And I realized that this person was just resistant the entire time and wanted to keep telling the same victim story beginning to end. We started out with a victim story. We ended with a victim story. And so, you know, when I'm in that situation, which is very rare, actually, this is the first time as a coach that I've ever had someone go two whole years and keep telling the same story. The only thing that I can go to is perhaps there's, you know, there's a deeper level of issue that is beyond my scope, meaning that, you know, maybe that person needs a clinician, maybe that person needs to talk to someone who can help them unpack 
you know, the unworkable things. There's certain things that I can recognize. I can recognize a controller, a perfectionist, a bit of a narcissist. I can recognize someone who is in their victim story. I can recognize all of that, but I'm not a clinician. So oftentimes if someone goes that long and they just, they can't, you know, switch their paradigm, they can't heal the beliefs. I know that there's something deeper going on that is beyond the scope of what I do. I'm about forward moving which is why I wanted to talk about this addiction to unavailable men, because that's part of what this particular client's problem was. Just a strong addiction. And I recognize it because I had it myself. That unavailability can be very, very attractive when you are in a certain mindset with yourself. And whether people want to admit it or not, it is not a loving mindset. Any addiction that you are engaged in, you are not coming from a place of self-love. You are coming from a place of survival Your ego is trying to help you survive. You are coming from a place of looking for immediate gratification, a numbing. You're trying to numb whatever those feelings are. You don't want to heal whatever is really actually there. You think that something outside of you is going to make you feel better long enough that you'll be okay. Once you find that it's not going to make you feel better, then you got to go for more of it. And those of you who are willing to admit that you have any sort of addictive behaviors, I know I do. I'm definitely a, a recovering sugar addict. Definitely uh, recovering uh, money, you know, not not uh, managing my money well and addicted to that and being able to swoop and save myself out of situations. So, you know, I get the pattern. I get the pattern. Trust me when I tell you, I come from that pathology, which a lot of us do. Some people come from functional alcoholics. Some people come from, you know, my mom was a hoarder. Like those things are, are you know, It might be different things that people use, but it's patterns. It's patterns of behavior, right? So if you find yourself in patterns of behavior, addictive patterns of behavior, you can recognize that it's that quick hit. It's what it does for you in the immediate, knowing that once it drops out and it goes away or you don't have it anymore, you got to then work to get it again. And that is a pattern that is a very... um, uh, common addictive pattern and we can be addicted to unavailable men and so if you're wondering if you are here are 10 strong signs that you are addicted to unavailable men now the first one this is not necessarily age specific however if you've gotten to a point where you're like in your 40s your 50s your 60s and you still are only attracted to that which causes you you struggle and strife meaning that you have to work for it. You're attracted to people who uh, challenge you in a way that that you're always wondering if it is actually a relationship, if they really like you, if they're going to be able to be with you, you know, whatever it might be, if it's going to be possible, if, you know, what their intentions are, um, if the moment that you're in with them is going to be the last moment because they're going to disappear, like all of those mile markers of unavailability, When you're addicted to that, you're attracted to that and you love it. Like secrets that they come out with or, um, you know, they're in a relationship, but they claim it's not working. So then you get to be the one who beats the other one. So you're better than she is. Any of that stuff. I mean, I'm just listing off stuff. For some people, it could be multiple things of of what I listed. But for some, it's one or two of those things. So that's a good indication that you are um, addicted to unavailable men. If you get to a certain age and you're still playing that game where you're doing the, the calling and if you didn't do the calling, it wouldn't happen. You're doing all the visiting and if you didn't do the visiting, it wouldn't happen. You're the one booing the re- relationship. 
and they're giving you their crumbs, which their crumbs could be, you know, meaningful conversations or telling you how special you are when meanwhile they're at, they're physically still being committed to whatever they're actually committed to in their life. They're not available to you. And if you're still trying to hold on to somebody who's not available to you or chasing after those who are not available to you in your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, and, you know, even in your 30s, that's a good sign that you may need an an intervention because you are addicted to unavailable men, the unavailability. Number two, you develop unhealthy attachments. So even though that person is unavailable, you have decided that they are it. And by it, that, oh, well, they, you know, they align with so many of my core values. And so overall, big picture, I'll just fill in the rest. It would be wonderful and amazing if we could be together. We've had such good times together. We've had great sex. We've had great conversations. And so let me fill in the rest of it. That means that they are my person. Meanwhile... I'm attached. I'm attached to having it happen. I'm doing whatever I need to do to flex and bend and make room for whoever they're being within the relationship, even though that's not what they're doing for me. They're just kind of coming around for the good times and the fun times and, you know, the mushy gushy love love part of it, but then not really making any kind of shifts or um, sacrifices in order to be with me. Not, you know, not doing any of those things, but I'm attached I'm I'm developing a loving, nurturing need for this person who does not in any way have the capability to offer that to me. I've been there where it was, you know, there was someone that I was dating before even my abusive relationship where it, it just was like, I look back, I, I'm unrecognizable to myself when I look back on how I was like filling in all the holes of how amazing this relationship could be when that person showed no indication that they would be able to open to available to building this with me, like couldn't even engage in that kind of conversation. Sometimes they can, because sometimes they know all the right words to say to keep you interested enough that you can you can satisfy whatever the need is they have from you. And so there's an unhealthy attachment there. It's got to be this person. I'm so in love. I've not felt this way about anybody else. It's got to be this person. (laughs) Unhealthy attachment. Number three, you ignore reality and get swallowed up by the limerence. So that's very similar to developing the unhealthy attachment. So just that willingness to just ignore that that person is not in any way fitting into your vision or in very small ways. You know, sometimes we, as as women, we get caught up with words and conversations and we detach them from a person's actions and how they are behaving and, you know, how they show up. So if, you know, there are a lot of men out there that are very masterful, women as well, people who are very masterful at saying all the right loving flowery things and really getting into the heart of what we like to hear, making us feel very validated and very special. But if you really look at their actions... And whether they come through for you or not, or whether they prioritize you, or whether they have three or four other priorities that are way more important than you are, 
you'll notice that those things don't align. And when words and actions do not align, you're not dealing with someone who is available. What makes someone available for a relationship is that their words and their actions align. And therein lies the attraction of unavailability. Because when I'm attracted to unavailability, it's because I am unavailable. And I know you're going to say, but Candace, I'm, I've been so single. I couldn't be even any more available if I tried. But the reason that you're unavailable is because you are looking for what doesn't work. You are attracted to what doesn't work, right? You cannot be open for the, the love and the nurturing and what could be um, shared with you because you're not attracted to what is attracted to you, what what loves you, what cares about you, what will provide for you, what will make you safe and feel supported. What you're attracted to is the struggle. And as long as you're attracted to the struggle, but you're saying in your mind, but what I want is to feel loved and supported and sustainability and commitment. I want all of these things. You're completely out of alignment with yourself. And that makes you unavailable. People who say they want one thing and then behave and do and chase and attract and engage with something else are out of alignment with themselves and therefore unavailable for any real intimacy. Now, do these people still get in relationships? Of course they do. And that's why so many relationships break down because sooner or later you come to find out that here this person is completely out of alignment with whatever it is they said that they wanted. And often you'll hear people say, well, you know, it's like they turned into another person or it's like I felt like a new a new person emerged or they completely changed. And no, they didn't. They just were never living in alignment with what they said. And what they said to you was out of alignment with what they were doing. And that meant that they really were unavailable. And you might have got, gotten them into a relationship. You might have coaxed them in. You might have been enough of a fixer that you got them to, to match up with you. But still and yet, they were unavailable. And you were unavailable. And that's why you wanted them. And that's why it didn't work out. Oh, I can't say this with enough vehemence. So number four, you are turned off by men who treat you like you are valuable. So, I mean, this is such the common thing. They really like me. And I can remember in, in my own sort of bad boy addiction phase, if a man was sweet to me, oh, he's too nice. Oh, you know, he was, he wanted to take me out. He wanted to do this and that for me, but he was short and he wasn't what I like. I wasn't interested in him, you know, just not my type. And that's not to say that someone cannot be your type. You don't have to be attracted to everyone. But if you are put off by someone's willingness and desire to treat you well, someone's willingness and desire to give you attention, to call you on a regular basis, if that puts you off, and I don't mean someone who's stalking you and doesn't know when enough is enough and doesn't, you know, ignores your boundaries if you say you're not attracted. But if it's off-putting to you that someone would find you so attractive that they actually want to spend time with you, align with you core value-wise, actually show up. If you've been attracted to someone, but because they actually really liked you, you found them to be corny. Like, think about any time, and I've been there, like, any time that someone who maybe you didn't find physically attractive was really bending over backwards because they wanted to be with you. And if you found it distasteful... You want to look at, it's not just that you weren't attracted to that person. It's that you don't know what to do with that. 
you don't know what to do with someone actually treating you like you're valuable. And that says a lot about how you view yourself. Until you get to a point where you are fully in love with yourself, fully self-accepted with yourself, it's very difficult to allow in and accept someone who treats you in a way that you're not even willing to treat yourself. And and why do I say that? Because I don't care how many mani-pedis you get, how many massages you get. You are not willing to treat yourself with that kind of love and nurturing because you keep chasing people who don't give that to you or people that give it to you in drips and drabs and crumbs, people who are not available to give it to you in any sort of committed way. And it's a catch-22, but by denying yourself someone who would just be there and show up and be stable and be yours and be easy, be committed to you, someone that you have to chase By denying yourself and deciding to chase rather than be open to how someone can show up for you and what a a partner could possibly be in your life, you are the epitome of lack of self-love. You are the epitome of it, (laughs) whether you want to admit it or not. People are like, oh, I love myself. I make sure to have nice clothes. I get my nails painted. I, you know, I'm I'm doing all this growth stuff. And yes, I'm not saying you don't love yourself at all, but those are not self-loving behaviors when you're chasing after someone who is unavailable. That that is not a a behavior of loving oneself. So you want to be really flat with that. Am I really in my word of loving myself if I'm chasing somebody who doesn't want to be caught, who acts like they want to be caught, but then is not there when I need them, who can't hang out with me on special times? Am I loving myself if I am wasting my time, biding my time, hoping, wishing, praying, being available to this person who is only around when they need my company or they, they're they free from their real life? No, I'm not loving myself when I'm doing that. Number five, you fetishize. So he's got to be good looking. He's got to be black. He's got to be white. He's got to be tall. He's got to have a nine inch penis. He's got to have these things. In order for me to like him, he's got to have this external stuff in order for me to like him. I, I, you know, it's a fetish. I will only date tall black men. That's a fetish. I will only date rich white men. It's a fetish. And, you know, God love you if that's the road you've taken and you have found that perfect person by taking that road. But when what you say is what you want is true intimacy, you want to build a family with someone, you want to have a real relationship, and you're still disregarding people based on your fetishes, based on these external things that you find sexually attractive or chemically attractive, And allowing yourself to get into these relationships with people who are unavailable, except for that they have these certain fetishy things that you like. You're addicted to unavailability. That's an addictive pattern. And you just want to be flat with yourself, my sweetheart. I'm not here to make you wrong. I'm not here to beat you up. I've been there. I've been there. This is not a looking down on you. And that's another thing. You want to be real cognizant of like, 
you know, let me just own my shit. Let me just own it. It's not, you know, I'm not a bad girl. I'm not in trouble because I, you know, am picking the wrong people. Well, I am in trouble, but it's my own. In- I'm the one who's enforcing being in trouble. Nobody's coming to get me if I make the wrong choices. I just got to be able to admit and be willing to say, hey, I'm making the wrong choices. I'm doing it. And, and then say, why am I doing it? I can't resist and be like, oh, but no, but no, but no. Here's all my excuses. Here's all my reasons. But no, we had great, touching, loving, connective conversations. So, you know, that's why I stuck around. No, no, no. He was so tall and good looking and he had a great job and he was so smart. And, you know, he was cultural and just wonderful. And we just got along so well. That's why I stuck around, even though, you know, he still lives with his baby's mama. He still lives with his wife. He's got a kid. He's got all these other priorities above me. That's why I stuck around because these other things like all of that excuse making for denying myself what I truly want. That's all that is. And it's okay to be honest with ourselves about it because if we're not honest with ourselves about it, we can't heal it. We can't transform it. To be in a constant argument for your limitations will have you in the addictive behavior for your whole life. It will have you stuck. And you will not get to get what it is that you want. And that's what I'm all about here. I'm all about anyone I come in contact with, anyone that I work with, having what they desire. And the reason I even started this journey as a coach 10 years ago is because I knew that I had a desire that I wanted to create. And I knew or I learned that the best way to create that desire was to help other people create it for themselves. And by helping other people create it for themselves, it had me learning and transforming and growing so that I then also created it for myself. I didn't even have to concentrate on what I needed for me. I just had to concentrate on on growing myself and being a good coach and how I showed up for others, filling myself up so that I could overflow onto others and helping, supporting people get what they want. And lo and behold, I got what I want. So that's where I'm coming from with all of this. And I just want everybody to really understand this. It's not about trying to make anybody wrong or feel bad about themselves. It's let's just be real and stop pretending. Stop pretending that we're doing it right, but we're the victim of the world. None of us out here is victims. I don't work with victims. If your story is that I'm the victim, I mean, we all have been victimized on some level and we've all had situations, whether it be traumatic situations, you know, situations that we didn't plan on, situations where someone else took control and, and hurt us or did something that we didn't expect. And yes, there there's victimization in that. But we have to take responsibility for who we become after our trauma. We have to take responsibility for how we are in the life that we're living because otherwise we are just allowing ourselves to be victimized over and over and over again. And I know that word victim is strong for some people, so they automatically assume that that has to mean the worst kind of victimization, like, you know, crime, rape, murder. But sometimes victimization is just, you know, being with someone who gaslights you, right? But then continually being with people who gaslight you, uh, the consistent behavior of picking someone for whom I have to, uh, you know, check their phone and they're mistrustful and I feel like they're lying to me. <clears throat> if you do that consistently, that is a pattern. That's a pattern of behavior, right? A pattern of behavior where I'm with someone who I'm constantly having to manage my ability to listen to them. It's a pattern and we want to own those patterns. 
You want to own them so that you can heal them and transform them. You want to own that you, what you've been doing is out of alignment with what you say you want. And that's, I mean, that, I could not give you the rest of these uh, signs that you're addicted and end it right there. And if you just took that on, that would be it. You would be, you would be golden for the rest of your life as far as your, your love life. You have to own that what you say you want and what you're engaging with and attracted to and uh, how you're navigating your love life are two different things. And when they are two different things, only you can transform them. Number six, you believe that you're a victim of bad relationships. So I've already touched on this already. So if you are walking around with the bad luck in love story, which I did for myself for a while, if you believe that you are a victim of how others have treated you, especially if it's been a consistent pattern, you are addicted to unavailable men. You are addicted to the unavailability. You are addicted to that that place of being the victim of, you know, I've done everything right and not, still nothing goes right for me. It's a story. It's a, it's a disempowering, self-sabotaging BS story that a lot of us tell ourselves. And I myself told myself that story. I'm doing everything right. I'm so good. I'm so loving. I bring so much to the table. And yet I keep meeting people who hurt me which means I'm taking no responsibility for the fact that this is what I'm attracting into my life because this is the story I keep telling. This is what I'm used to. This is what my thoughts and my beliefs create for me every time. I'm going to meet someone and it's going to be so amazing. I'm going to fall so deeply in love and then they're going to do what always happens. They're going to hurt me because there's going to be something I find out about them or they're going to change or they're going to shift or they're going to have some element of their life that makes it so they have to deprioritize me, whatever it is. When I have that story and that belief, and then I go into the, oh, woe is me. Here I go again. Now we've broken up. Now I had to leave. Now they had to leave. And so now I'm just sick, sick from the breakup. I don't even know how to pull myself back together. And now I'm done. I'm just done with dating. I can't do it anymore. It's horrible. It's, it's the dating it's not anything I'm doing. It's the dating. It's out there. It's the men. They're the problem. So that's the pattern. And so from a place of it's them, it's the dating, they're the problem. I try to rev myself back up again. I try to pull myself up by my bootstraps and I push myself back out there, slap some lipstick on and try it all over again. And then go through the same pattern with the same paradigm because I'm approaching it the same way. I haven't healed any of my old stuff because I can't admit that it's there. I can't own that I'm a part of it. And so I go back out there and keep doing the same thing. And then I wonder why I'm exhausted. Feeling like a victim of bad relationships. Number seven, you compare and despair. Why does so-and-so have this beautiful relationship? And this is what I have. Why does my sister have this? My brother has this. How come my parents had this wonderful, you know, beautiful long-term relationship? If you had those kinds of parents. And if you did, kudos to you because that that's, doesn't happen that often. But looking at other parents, I mean, other parents, other relationships, looking at other relationships, looking at other couples and assuming, first of all, that you know anything that's going on in someone else's relationship. Trust me when I tell you, you don't. I don't care what another person's relationship looks like. 
I mean, you can see certain signs that, that people are thriving, that looks like people are thriving, but none of us knows what goes on between two people. None of us knows what the agreements have been between those two people, what those two, two people are aligning with to have what they have, what those two people are sacrificing in order to have what they have. We don't know. There's no way to know because each person is in a relationship that is aligned with who they are and where they are. And you are not that person. I don't care if they're related to you. You cannot see what they see. You cannot perceive and feel what they feel. You can only kind of assess and use your perception. And what is right for them is not necessarily right for you. What it looks like for them, it's not necessarily going to look like for you. Even if you're looking at it and you're saying, oh, that looks good to me. Right? There might be aspects of someone else's relationship where you're like, oh, that looks like something I'd want to have. And that's wonderful. There's nothing wrong with that. But what, what, What ends up being disempowering about it is that we look at it and say, oh, that looks like something I want to have and then despair because we feel like we don't have it. We look at it like, oh, yeah, that's it. And then despair because what we're looking at for us is not it. Not understanding that how we perceive and how we feel and what goes on in the relationship is going to be very different than looking at what someone else has. That that's a, there's a distinction there between, you know, how you're feeling about it. So you can watch a romantic movie and it's two young, gorgeous people who fall madly in love and have perfect sex where it's never sloppy and it's beautiful. And you can look at that and say, Oh, I wish I had that. Oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. But then even if you're in a relationship with somebody, the only way that you can perceive that you're having that is by being on the outside of it looking in. You can't be within something and be able to look at it and perceive it in the same way that you would if you are outside of it. Because in real life, relationships that look like the romantic movie still have sloppy mistakes and, you know, conflict and conflict that is deeper than what you'd see in your average romantic movie and sacrifices that people have had to make. And you don't want someone else's sacrifices and problems in order to be with someone else. You just want to deal with your own. Trust me on that. So if you're still comparing and despairing, definitely a sign that you are addicted to unavailable men, unavailable relationships. You're highly controlling. So whether you know it or not, you always have to be in control. You always need somebody to be doing it the way you want them to do it. And if they're not, then it's a problem. You're ready to go to, you know, there, there, you know, here it goes again. Here's what I'm used to. Here's what always happens. I always get the short end of the stick. They're not calling me enough. This is what happened to me before. You know, I've been through all of these different things. And now I have to control how this person moves within my life. I have to chess piece people in and out. I have to make sure that I do this and that and just be very controlling in the interactions of the relationship. And the thing about being controlling, it comes from a place of perfectionism as well. It's not connective. It's not intimate. So when I'm very controlling, what I end up doing is having people in my life who are there long enough to possibly be controlled if they're in alignment with that, but sooner or later disappoint me because you cannot control anyone. You cannot make someone be what you want them to be. doesn't matter if you're controlling because you're so, 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 so nice and sweet, thinking that your niceness and your sweetness is going to somehow convince them that you are worthy, or if you're controlling because you're such a bitch. 
and you yell at them all the time and you try to force them to do things or because you're manipulative. And whether you're manipulative kind or manipulative evil, either way, you're trying to control and force and make something be a certain way. And so that's another sign that you may need an intervention because you're addicted to unavailable relationships. Number nine, you require constant validation within the relationship and out of the relationship. And I've been there where you're talking to every friend and you're trying to get feedback and you're trying to, you know, you, you need constantly for people to agree with what you're doing. Now, I can tell you right now as a coach, if you need somebody who's agreeing with everything that you're doing when you are consistently addicted to unavailable men and getting into relationships that don't work, you don't want me as a coach. Because what I am here for is to tell you the truth. And what I am here for is to be a stand for your higher self what you say that you want. And that's how I'm going to hold your feet to the fire. You tell me you want a sustainable relationship with somebody that you can travel the world with and raise kids and, and have happiness and, you know, love yourself and be authentic and, you know, have a financial acumen together and really mesh together well. If you tell me that's what you want, I am not going to settle for anything less than that on your behalf in my coaching with you, and in my communication with you. That is what you told me you want. And so I'm going to pull out every tool in my toolbox to make sure that you are empowered to create it. Right now, whether you take it on or not, that's on you. But that is what I do. And if you're somebody who requires the constant agreement and validation, oh, am I doing it? Am I doing it? Am I doing it good enough? Have I gotten there? Yeah, but I'm getting better. But you're still doing the same thing then I am not the coach for you. Trust me, I have learned that just very recently with the client I was talking about earlier. I am not the coach for you if you don't want to hear the truth. I am not the coach for you if you don't want somebody to be very flat and blunt about what it really is you need to do. And it's not out of trying to make you feel bad about yourself. It's about you said you want this thing and I believe in you and I know you can have this thing and I'm not going to treat you with kid gloves, especially after two years, but I'm not going to treat you with kid gloves and let you stay in your limited story. And I'm not going to sit in an argument with you for what you feel are your limitations. You know, if you want to keep telling the story about how everybody's got nice stuff, but me and I'm the only one and it doesn't work out for me, then I'm not the coach you want to have. And I'm okay with that. Hopefully you're okay with that as well. But if you require that constant validation when you're moving through your relationships and you constantly need for people to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's them. It's them. It's not you. You're great. You're right. You're absolutely right. You've just had bad luck. It's not anything you're doing. If that's what you require, you want to ask yourself, is it because I am addicted to this unavailability? If you need people to keep co-signing that it's some sort of misfortune that has you not having what you want. You want to be able to ask yourself, is it because I need to keep going through this process of unavailability? Number 10, you have become an exhausted, exhausted cynic when it comes to love and relationships. You're tired of it all. You keep closing down all your dating apps. You keep pretending like you don't want to date. You keep telling yourself, just forget it. I'm tired. I'm tired of working on myself. I'm tired of everything I got to do in order to get somebody. I'm over it. You're just the exhausted 
cynic. And no wonder you're exhausted. You've been trying to control things. You've been trying to force things. You've been so attached to trying to force it and make it happen. You've been looking for all kinds of signs that it's happening. You haven't given yourself a moment to relax. You are very conditional. You will only be happy if. If you're telling yourself, I will be happy if. I will be happy when. I will be happy you know, in in the case of however you want to word it, if that's what you are telling yourself, you are conditional with life, you are conditional with yourself, you are conditional with the world. And when you are conditional, you will be exhausted because you will be constantly trying to manipulate the conditions. Woo! I just said a word right there. Constantly trying to manipulate manipulate the conditions. That is exhausting. <laughs> And if you've ever done anything that requires you to be constantly in motion and trying to make one, like if you, if you're someone who cooks, imagine like cooking, right? When you're cooking, you are constantly manipulating the conditions. And imagine, even if you were a chef who absolutely was passionate about what you did, if that is what you did all the time, you don't get to take a break. You don't get to go on vacation. You're just constantly in that kitchen cooking, trying to manipulate the conditions. And imagine applying that same thing to your love life, which is not like cooking at all. (laughs) Because it's not about manipulating the conditions, even though a lot of people think that it is. And that's how they approach their relationship. But imagine being in your relationship life and just constantly trying to manipulate the conditions of course you are exhausted of course you are and like most addicts and most people who are addicted to things you're just as tired of it as you are engaged with it and so that's also a common and typical sign that you may need an intervention you are addicted to unavailable men now what to do about it and I, you know i'm sorry i love you i know i'm fire hosing you But I had a lot this week and, you know, it was on my mind and I wanted to share it. So what do you do about it? First, check in with a clinician. Make sure, especially if you've gone years. I had to do it myself. I sat down with a therapist. I was like, look, this is what's been going on. I don't know what to do about it. I can remember being in my late 20s, early 30s. Like, I don't even know how to live. I, you know, after ending a 13-year relationship, like even before the end of that 13-year relationship, just like, I don't even know how to live. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know. (laughs) And it's okay to be at that point. Again, we're so busy trying to be perfect that we won't let ourselves be wrong. It's okay to be at a point where you got to check in with a professional. It's okay to be at a point where you have to check in with somebody who can approach you clinically and you can talk to them and you can unpack it. And it's okay if someone else recognizes that in you. Like, Like your problem with it comes from your perception of it as if it means there's something wrong with you. Everyone needs help at some time or another. It's part of the human condition. It is not something that is wrong. It is just a fact. We all need help sometimes, especially when we have a pattern of doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. We need help. We need help out of that. And like I said in the beginning, I'm a coach. I'm someone who is for people who are ready to move forward. If you are not ready to move forward and you just want to keep fighting for where you are, you need to see somebody who can help you clear what has you just not able to move forward. 
and not understanding how you have the power to move forward because we all have that power. Sometimes uh, chemicals in our body, sometimes what we've experienced, sometimes bigger things get in the way of that. And that's okay because we're all human. None of us is immune of it or immune from it, I should say. So check in with a clinician. Make sure you don't have some kind of chemical imbalance or an emotional challenge that would impede your ability to move forward with cognition. You want to make sure that that's in place. And, you know, usually it's been my policy for a little while now that I won't even coach with someone unless they've had a certain amount of clinical therapy. Right. I'm not a clinician. I believe in clinical therapy. I myself engage in clinical therapy. I think it's very important. And so, you know, like I said, this is probably the only client that I've ever run into where it became an issue. And I don't know that I had the policy in place that a person has to have had clinical therapy before they work with me when I started working with this person. But I do now for sure. And so it's a very important thing. If you find that you are addicted to unavailable men, check in, check in with a clinician, make sure that, you know, there's not some sort of underlying clinical thing that you need to treat first, right? So boom, number one, get support. So if you find out you're okay, the chemicals are okay, physiologically you're okay, and you can move forward, get support, get a personal coach, get into a group, a support group. Let people support you with transforming your tendency to attract people who are out of alignment with what you say you want. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with having people who have done it to lead you to it, Um, you know, shameless plug. I'm a coach. It's what I do. If you feel like you've done the work, the emotional work, and you truly are committed to moving forward, that means you're not held back by your old story, or you just don't know how to get out of the old story, but you know you want to. You're not held back by, oh, you know, I don't really want to spend the money, or, you know, you don't feel like the money is some sort of sacrifice or donation you're making. You understand that investing yourself around actually moving forward is valuable and also you do the work like if you're going to work with a coach if you're someone who wants to do the work because I give the work I give the curriculum I give the tools and I help you and support you with staying motivated and completing them so to work with me means that you are you're done you're done with that old story you are ready to move forward you are ready to have exactly what it is you say you want when you are creating something it is a vision board in your mind that you de- then translate into a vision in reality whether that's a vision board in reality or you write it down whatever you are raring to go you need to make this happen you are not playing around anymore and if you are in your early 40s you better not be playing around anymore if what you want to create is a you know a supportive loving you know family environment whether you want to have kids or not you know sustainability uh uh commitment just someone who is a real partner to you someone who you really can be authentically 100% yourself around and with somebody that you feel really has your back if those are the kind of things that you want and you're in your early 40s Look, I'm not one of those doomsday time kind of because I believe it can happen at any stage in your life. But you got to be flat with yourself that how much more time are you going to waste? Like, don't waste the sexy. How much time are you going to waste chasing after that which does not align with you? How much time are you going to waste crying and eating ice cream and and being sad and, you know, being exhausted 
exhausted and cynical because you don't have what you want. How much more time are you going to waste doing that? Get a coach. Get somebody who will tell you the truth. Somebody who will kick your butt a little bit. I have a coach. She kicks my butt. And it feels like a beating every week, but I love her with every part of my being because I know that what she's teaching me is valuable and it's not always cute and it's not always nice and we're not always laughing. Sometimes I'm burning up inside. Sometimes I just want to cry tears, but not once has she told me a single thing that didn't mean something and or be valuable to me. And she has transformed my life in just, you know, not a very long period of time because I was willing Because I said, I want a change and I'm going to do what it takes to make that change. So if you, that's where you are, that we should work together. If not, then go on about your business. And then the third is give yourself a lot of grace. Take it one day at a time. Right. I mean, I know I was just talking about how time, you know, you're a certain age, you don't want time to run out. I know I was just talking about that. But also at the same, it's like a balance, right? You, you want to just be willing to let yourself evolve rather than thinking you're going to snap your fingers and, you know, c- talk to a couple people and then you're done and you'll be fine. No, you've been practicing whatever you've been practicing, however long you've been practicing it. And now in order to practice something new, particularly a belief, a behavior, or a way of being, it might take some practice, right? You want to be graceful with yourself, loving with yourself. You want to allow it to all unfold. And that's it. I have gone way over time. I've been trying to make these short and quick and easy and, and a snap, but I just had too much this week. So hopefully you bared with me. Hopefully you got what you came to get. I love you so much. I want to share with you because I, if you were with me last week, I read an excerpt from my compilation book that I'm putting together. It's Homie, Yo Stasis, a funny, heart-wrenching, authentic compilation of BIPOC plus women and their stories of home. If you are a BIPOC plus woman or know a BIPOC woman who has a pivotal story around her experience of home, homeostasis, creating balance, go to bit.ly forward slash capital T, the home project, 2023, 2023. So the home project, 2023 with a capital T, bit.ly forward slash the home project, 2023, and submit your story. You may be invited to feature in the book or come on the upcoming podcast. And all proceeds from the book go to creating housing stability for BIPOC women and the book's contributors. The proceeds will go to the contributors. The contributors may or may not have housing instability. Doesn't matter. I want you to submit. And that's it, my sweethearts. I have gone on and on and on. Hopefully you were able to stay with me. And if not, maybe you took breaks, maybe had a sandwich in between. If you did, I totally understand. Drank a cup of tea, whatever it is you need. Until next time, I love you so much. Keep being unapologetically lovable. And please, by all means, give yourself grace.